0: Welcome back to the final episode of Series 1.
1: I bet everyone thought it was going to be the final episode there, didn't they?
0: Yeah, not the final episode of all time. That would be sad. Uh, But this is happy news. It's the final episode of Series 1, but we're not going to leave you waiting for long. Series 2 is out on the 17th of January 2020 and... Rather than taking a break, we're going to give you three brand new episodes next week with
1: incredible guests. Yeah, super exciting. Like, I was actually out yesterday talking about who we've got lined up, said one of the guests that's coming out next week, and the guy was like, oh my God, I love him. He's amazing. So... Yeah, a little teaser there for you, but it's really, really exciting.
0: Well, so I know who that was then, because two of them are girls, so I know, <laughs> which, I know which one it was. Um, but yeah, we are so excited about, um, about Series 2, uh, which is launching, as we said, next week, 17th of January. To celebrate Series 1, we have collated some of our favourite episodes um, and just pulled out some little clips of bits that we found really interesting in those episodes um, due to... Us not wanting it to be a five-hour podcast. Uh, We have only chosen four episodes
1: and that was bloody hard. Yes, so many episodes are amazing. So to pick those four were really, really, really hard. But I think we've managed to pick four that are different enough and they kind of highlight the different kinds of people that we've spoke to over the past year.
0: They do, and they also highlight some really important things that I, I think are have become like core principles for us, core beliefs that, that we're trying to get across to you guys every week. So um, you'll find a lot in this episode about comfort zones getting out of your comfort zone being confident in your sales and marketing being confident in
1: yourself self-confidence is something we're really going to be talking about in this coming episode it was really great to be able to look back on the previous year and kind of really pick out those little nuggets that we think are going to help you the most to just listen back to
0: yes lots of lovely nuggets and when you talk about confidence um i guess for us like the past year has been such a wild ride for us but um confidence has definitely been something that's grown for us over the past year
1: yeah it's definitely been massive for me like my confidence just being on microphone like i remember the first time we recorded listening back to that and i was like well this is awful this just isn't going to work and then the idea of like having a camera sat in front of us like we do now was just ridiculous did you delete that first ever ramble that we did probably
0: if you find it, then we should release it. Yeah. And just I, with like a, a warning on it of like, this is terrible, but just to let people know how to... Ter- because like when we do talks, especially if we're doing like talks to young people, I'll always um, put a slide in there that's like, don't compare your chapter one to someone else's chapter 20. And I put in my chapter one of my early graffiti paintings, which are just absolutely shit. Um, and like, yeah, so it would be... Because I listened back the other day to our first episode with Emma Gannon, yeah. expecting it to be awful and it's quite good. <laughs> yeah. and I was like, oh shit, but but, but what but what we didn't put out was those those early bumblings of us just like trying to get through an yeah. episode. And just at that point we were like, well, we're never ever going to have a podcast because we are bad at this.
1: Yeah, I think that was a, a real learning curve. We had to learn really quickly as well because we had an idea of one we wanted to launch. And it was just going into it with like a, we need to get good really quickly or at least like good enough. Possible, yeah yeah. Um, to get to that stage. So I'm really glad that we did do those practice swings because if we went straight into it, like, it wouldn't have lasted (laughs) yeah
0: yeah um so there's been like it's been it's just been an incredible year for us and uh, and i think one of the main takeaways from me is um has been like you guys has been the audience has been interacting with people we've done a lot of events in the past year we've been out there kind of meeting people meeting listeners to the show and that's been incredible learned a lot through doing that and because we just put out our six-part course if you haven't listened to it yet it's kind of all of the the basic things that you need to start any project. Um, and you'll find that in the archives. And at the end of that, we were talking about um, using the hashtag creative rebels and a bunch of people have been using that. So we encourage you to use the hashtag creative rebels on any creative work that you're making, um, but also to go on Instagram and search for hashtag creative rebels and follow that hashtag because then you will see other listeners posting their work. It will give you you guys a chance to interact,
1: support each other. um, And I mean, together we can bloody take over the world. Yeah, like there's so much for you guys know that you can help other people with and to grow those connections and to have that community with other people in it rather than just talking to us directly like you're going to get so much from it like our community is amazing and there's so many of you who would massively benefit from talking to each other so
0: yeah, we talk to you in our, our DMs all the time and, and it's often been a thing of like, how are we going to like start getting people to connect with each other? So this is the way to do it. So we know that a lot of you are dancers, some of you are teachers, some of you are poets, uh, some of you are painters, so like like all, all the things you guys are. Um, so if you're following Hashtag Creative Rebels on Instagram, if you are a graphic designer, uh, maybe one of the dancers is going to post up that they need a new logo and you guys can collaborate. And so connections are going to happen that way um, and we are here for it. We're also going to be sharing um, stuff that we find on hashtag creative rebels that we think is dope. We're going to be sharing on our stories and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, and what we're also going to do as well as every now and again, we're going to go through and just pick people to have one-on-one sessions with us, whether that'll be coming to the studio, get to kind of meet us and sit with us and we'll talk you through whatever your problems are and really help you out or if you're a bit further away maybe just a phone call like we're happy to like pick up the phone to people who are using that hashtag yes
0: yeah, so i jumped on a 45 minute call with uh with a listener recently to uh guide her through her business so yeah that's definitely something that we are open to doing so these four episodes are in no particular order um we're going to start off with someone who we were hugely grateful to get on the show which is debbie millman debbie is a bit of a legend especially when it comes to podcasting her podcast is the first and the longest running podcast of
1: all the podcasts yeah she was the first podcast that i ever listened to i remember god it would have been probably about seven years ago now like just getting like having my phone and just finding this podcast app because someone david had probably mentioned podcasts because he's been listening to podcasts for a long time now so i was like i want to find something that's relevant to me and i've always been interested in design and found her podcast design matters and that was like my go-to podcast for ages like i can still picture getting back off holiday like landing like on the plane looking out the airport as we were pulling into the, one of the bays and having her podcast in and i can really visually remember exactly what the episode was about and i actually years later bought the book of the person who i was listening to on that episode just because it stuck in my mind so so like visually
0: yeah, and then we find ourselves sat in her office in New York at the, the School of Visual Arts. Just
1: mind blowing.
0: Absolutely mind blowing. And she had an amazing office, so generous with her time. Um, we met Milton
1: Glazer while we were there. It was just. It, absolutely insane. So yeah, just like, I think one thing for me that I've told a lot of people about her office is just like the sheer amount of books in there that and a lot of them were gifted to her by guests of the show. And she's been running for like 16 years. So there's a lot of books on that shelves, all signed. Like I love the card game, Cards Against Humanity. And in there was a little box with a signed box by the founders of that. And I was just like, everything in here is just so cool. Like it's great to meet people who you can aspire to be. And they're just so inspiring. Yeah, we both want to be Debbie Millman. So, yeah.
0: Um, so yeah, let's get into, um, this first clip, uh, where Debbie's talking about branding.
2: branding for me to me is manufacturing meaning. So we create meaning through marks, through constructs. What's interesting about that phenomenon is that we create these, we manufacture this meaning. And then we all agree that that meaning means something. (laughs) It's very meta and it's very human. We're the only species on the planet that can do this. So we'll create something that we signify means something. And then we'll expect that everybody will agree with what that meaning is.
0: So that is, uh, it's kind of complicated, but to to break that down, it's basically saying branding is, uh, because we talked about it in the, in the mini episode of having a reason to do something Mm. why it is that you're making what you make and then when people see your logo or your website or your branding everything that falls under the branding umbrella
1: that's they know what to expect when they see your brand suppose if you think of any big brands that are out there you can always relate a bit of meaning to them so if i if you just went to someone in the street and showed them like the nike swoosh and said what does this mean first i'd say well that's nike And then if you said, yeah, but what does it mean? What do they stand for? Almost anyone in the street could tell you that. And the same with like Apple and the same with a lot of really big, big brands. And I think that's the power of a brand. And that's what a brand is. It's not just that mark, it's everything that's behind it. And yeah, talking to Debbie was super interesting to just get that insight from her of, well, she's a branding expert. Like she designed the Burger King logo. She's done so many things over her career. And it's understanding that yeah branding isn't that visual identity it's not graphic design it's not just that thing it's the message that's behind it it's the kind of all of the all of the people who work for that company it's everything that it stands for it's, just, it's so much more than just a bit of graphic design the the bit of graphic
0: design is the mark um but then the meaning that comes with the mark that it that is the branding um so yeah that was it was uh really interesting to talk to someone who. Obviously, their their whole life has been branding, and she teaches the class on branding at New York School of Visual Arts. So, um, just yeah, just an expert in his, in her field. And if anyone's not listened to that episode, go back, especially if you're interested in branding, because there's so there's so much there. Um, so, how would you say that? How do you start to manufacture the meaning behind your brand?
1: I think that all comes down to firstly understanding who your audience is. And because branding is basically positioning of like how you position yourself in the market, it's not just the way you visually look. It's it's the whole like how you position yourself. So it's like who who's my audience and how do I want to appear to those people? It's like I think if you think of branding as the way you portray yourself. So if you think of yourself, like if we go down the personal branding route, it's like a how do you want other people to know you? It's like do you want to be known as the guy who's great at tech do you want to be known as the person who's a really good artist it's like your face your who you are is your logo that's your visual mark and it's like when someone looks at you they'll see you but if they know you then they'll know who you are what you like all of these different things about you why you do the things you do and the clearer you can display that and the clearer you can let someone else understand that I think that's what branding is it's it's being able to look at something and know what's the other side of that facade. It's not just this static object. It's like who you are and what you're all about.
0: And I think that gets better the more confident you get because you're then more able to... You're able to be more clear because you're confident in what your message is and what what you're doing. So don't worry if you don't have it right at the start. Um, So And that is the perfect segue, unplanned. That leads us into our next clip. How
2: can you expect to have confidence in doing something? A lot of people say, well, I'll just wait until I feel better about myself or feel like I have more confidence before I try that thing. But that's not the way it works. And we are not even able to walk confidently without falling. So why would we think that anything that we do for the first time we could do well, just because we think we can do it well, Mm -hmm. or we hope to do it well. And I started to really think about that. And I spent about a year trying to then create a definition of confidence, which I already shared with you, the successful repetition of any endeavor.
1: I couldn't agree more with that. Like, like you can't become confident by reading about something you can't become confident without actually doing it i think this is where we talk about learning by doing and confidence is one thing you definitely you can only learn that by doing it like by going out there and getting yourself in the situations that feel uncomfortable that feel scary yeah debbie says
0: you can't be good at anything that you do for the first time and i think that that comes down to marketing sales branding Anything, anything that, yeah, yeah, anything that's wrapped up. So when you do start a new business, you're you're learning everything yourselves. And if you want to become creative for a career and not just a hobby, then that means you do have to learn those things. You have to learn those other sides of it. And to expect to go straight into it and just because you're brilliant at one thing, to, to not expect to have to learn how to become good at the other things. Like it's it's absolutely necessary.
1: The the more things you do and the more things you get good at the easier it is to learn because I think you learn how to learn and that gets easier with time. So when you're first starting out, the first thing you go and throw yourself in with is gonna be really, really hard because you don't know how to learn properly yet. But when you've done that and you've learned that first thing, whatever that is, so whether you go into to do marketing first or branding first, I would say definitely concentrate on one at a time. Don't just try and do everything, otherwise you won't get particularly amazing at anything. But once you've learned branding, then a lot of skills you've learned by doing that, you could then move to marketing. And you won't start at zero again. You'll start at, say, 10, and you've got to make it up to 100. And when you've done those two things and you want to do some design, then there'll be certain things you've learned in there that means when you start design, you'll start from 15 and it means that more and more things you learn, the easier and easier it is to learn. Yeah, and you will
0: have a lot of transferable skills, even if you're working in a nine to five that's not fulfilling you currently. There's probably a lot of things that you can take away from that. Just keep your eyes and ears open. Like is there is what what is the marketing and the branding that happens in that business and what can you learn from that that when it comes to starting up your thing, you don't need to learn it from scratch because you've already had experience of it working in another business.
1: There's something really, really interesting that I heard that was about How most successful companies, in terms of like companies that have earned millions, have been started by people in their kind of like towards their forties. So it's like they're not been started by these young kids. Obviously, there's you get the Mark Zuckerbergs where people think these days that to have a successful company, you need to be this young person who's got this great idea and you're tech savvy and that's the only way to become a millionaire. Most actual million-pound companies or million-dollar companies or wherever you're based started by older people and that's because those people have the experience and they've learned lots of things through their lives it's like we've got an upcoming episode with someone who worked for loads of different companies for years learned loads and loads and loads and then when it started his own company up ran it for three years and then sold it for a multi-million pound figure but yeah no i i agree and
0: um one thing that that debbie says in that clip as well is that uh, a lot of people wait um and they they wait because they think that they're going to get confident over time and i I think that's it's such an astute observation and like waiting is not is not ever going to
1: be good for you like you've just got to jump because i suppose people hear that confidence comes with time because that's true because it does but only if you're putting the work in to get there it's they just assume well if i just sit here as i grow older i will get more confident but not realizing that the only people who do get more confident are the people who are going out and trying the things that they're not confident in again and again and again to get confident, it's it's so interesting. Um,
0: we we've spoken privately before about how um, how language is so important, and we see a lot of kind of comments in places where people say things like, "I'm thinking about starting my new podcast next year," and. of the time that is not going to happen because the language is allowing you to let yourself off the hook. I'm thinking of doing something means that if I don't actually do it, then you can't hold me up on it. You can't say, but you said you were going to do a podcast. No, I never said that. I said, I was thinking of doing a podcast.
1: Really funny. I remember meeting someone who was just like asking me questions about business and stuff. And I I was like, what's your plan for the future? And they said, well, I'm thinking about doing this. And then straight away, I was like, well, because the fact you said you're thinking about it and you're not going to do you know you didn't say I'm going to do this. I mean I was like you're probably not going to do it. You need to get in the mindset of you're going to do this. It's like um I think James clear talks about in his book Atomic Habits. Great book. F- really good book. Definitely recommend that. That's one for the one for the reading list this year if you haven't read read it already. Um he talks about giving up smoking and how if you speak to a, someone who's just trying to quit smoking and you say like oh here's the cigarette they'll say no I'm trying to quit because that's the mindset that they're currently in. Whereas if you gave it to me like, I don't smoke, I'd be like, I don't smoke. So it's, it's that different mindset. Whereas if, if someone who's trying to quit smoking says, no, I don't smoke, or no, I'm not a drinker, or no, this is not me. It's that definitive yes or no. It's not that, oh, well, maybe, and then you can't blame me if I do it wrong. Yeah,
0: knowing yourself and then within that, within knowing yourself, that's where you'll find the confidence to, to go forward, definitely. And so as, as Debbie alludes to at the end there, she, she's already mentioned earlier in the episode that um, the re- repetition of success is what will bring you confidence. So the first painting I ever did was was not great, but the more successful paintings that I created, the incremental progression that I made meant that my confidence grew as a painter. It's just it's that, that repetition and that putting in the time and continuing to push through, to grow and to keep on improving. That's what's going to bring you confidence.
1: Yeah, like it happened a lot when we first started our company, Graffiti Life. There'd be a brief that you hadn't done before. So you hadn't painted a car. You haven't done a certain metallic look or something. You're like, well, I probably could do that. And it's by being there and trying it that you're like, oh, actually, I can do that. And then it got to a stage in our business where we've been running for so many years. And no matter what people came to us with, we were confident that we could go and execute that. And it was just through throwing ourselves into situations that felt uncomfortable, felt scary. But we had that little, little bit of hope that we could do it. And it was by doing that again and again and again, that we're now at a stage where we can paint anything. Like, I don't think there's anything that someone could come to us and say, can you paint this? And we would say, no. There'd be some things that we were like, that would take us two months, but it would never be enough.
2: Well, the myth of the last opportunity is that if you don't do this specific thing, you'll never have another opportunity to do anything else ever again. And that comes, I think, from a mindset of scarcity as opposed to abundance.
0: So just a quick, quick little one to, to end there. Um, we had to, we had to stick that one in just because I think scarcity mindset is so bad and you should always try and get out of it if possible. So a scarcity mindset would be that you have to take this job because it's going to be the last one that you're ever going to get, or you take on something that you're, that that you know, someone who could do it much better, but you keep it for yourself because you think I need this. I need the paycheck. Um, whereas actually through giving it to someone else you're potentially going to be growing your network and developing relationships with people that are going to be a lot more fruitful
1: long term than just taking a job for because you you think it's going to be the last one yeah that's it isn't it it's the long-term thinking compared to the short-term thinking obviously it's really really hard to say to someone like if you just said to us nine years ago when we started our business here's a job for 400 pounds that we we could probably blag ourselves like we would have just taken it because we needed the money and but it's it's really hard when there's a balance isn't there of like when you're absolutely desperate you're sometimes going to have to take things but then as you slowly get a bit further down the road by saying no to stuff or by giving them to other people and only working on things that are actually going to benefit you personally and benefit your own business then it's that mindset of it's a long-term game and you need to play the long-term game if you want to do this forever. It's better to kind of like plant all the seeds now for them to grow within the next 10 years rather than just kind of eating those seeds now for that little bit of sustenance. He's gone for another metaphor. <laughs> yeah, loved that episode with
0: uh, with Debbie. One of our, our favourites, definitely. One of the next episodes that we chose
1: was Esme. Esme is so inspiring. I'm The first time I met her like a year ago or something now, just having a really good chat with her and being like, "We need to get her on the show because she's just so on it." Such so like a genuinely nice, hardworking, just inspiring person.
0: Yeah, super inspiring. Uh, yeah, that was the that was the kind of the feeling that I was left with was inspiring and um, inspired by, I guess, by grit and determination and never giving up, putting yourself in difficult situations. Um, The fact that she was paralysed from the the waist down and then overcame it and can walk and has been on the SAS TV
1: show and it's just like incredible. She's successful because of the hard work that she's put in and that's completely paid off. And she's still really early on in her journey, but I know she's going to do so, so well in life because she has that absolute drive and determination to whatever she wants to happen will happen. And one thing that was
0: overwhelming was uh, her positivity. Um, But we actually got into an interesting conversation about the the different kinds of positivity.
3: When people look at positive and they're like, oh, be positive, be positive, because sometimes you can't be positive about something. And sometimes, actually, I think being positive about a situation is hiding from it.
0: It can go like Mm. a bit
3: the wrong way. Where (laughs) where you just go, oh, my house is burned down, but I'm going to be positive. (laughs) I'm going to get a new new one. one. Actually, what it's about It's being positive to me is about sitting in the problem for a bit, feeling it, feeling like the depth of it, actually, like, you know, going to probably a bit of a horrible place with it, but then getting yourself out of it by being positive. Mm -hmm. Whereas a lot of the time, positivity is mistaken and it's just like, be positive, cover it up. Yeah. yeah, and don't feel it and this is where you can get people that end up having like breakdowns that like the positive people where they're always always happy smiling smiling and then suddenly they just break down like I can't do yeah. it anymore it's yeah. like because you, you can't sustain that it's not sustainable to yeah. always look on the bright side like one of my favourite quotes that someone said to me is um, you can let it ruin your lunch but don't let it ruin your dinner that's and great. I was like, it's that's so great. good yeah. because you go to lunch and you talk about it and you get annoyed about it and you cry about it. But then by dinner, you've come up with a solution and you're moving forward from it.
0: So wise words there. I think big uh, takeaway for me was not being delusional. So always being like, yeah, everything's great. Everything's brilliant. Yeah. Like actually recognising what the problems are, because it's not until you, you sit down and you go, actually, this is shit but here's how I'm going to tackle it. And it's the the lunch and dinner problem, like don't let it spoil your dinner. Is like, okay, well, what have we got here? And then what are our
1: roots around it? How are we going to fight it? The way that I take it is like, if you're doing something, you're trying to make a living doing something, you need to be good at doing it. You need to have, you need to be talented. You need to put the hard work in to get really good. A lot of people are very delusional about the fact that, they can do something because someone like their mum's told them they're great. I think you'd really need to grow a network around you of people who are really, really honest, people who can tell you like, is this good? Is this bad? What do you need to work on?
0: I suppose the wonderful thing about that is that anybody can learn to become good at anything. It's just time and practice that you're, you're willing to put into something. On the topic of staying positive, it is it can be a really difficult thing to do, especially if you're a creative person, if you're working alone a lot and you get inside your own head. And I've often found that like problems if i wake up in the night worrying about something it seems like ins- insurmountable but it's only when you actually when the actual day starts and you can actually sit and deal with it that it becomes much easier to to actually dissect and i think i i've certainly found that in the past with um, my sister who will really really worry about things work them into huge problems in her head um but it's only when you actually sit and you write it down and you go through point by point she's worried about life in general and all of these things that are all feeding in and i haven't got enough money for this and that and i'm I'm doing badly in this job, and that means i'm gonna and everything's leading to everything else but when you take each problem individually and you just sit down and write them down, then that's when you're able to like deal with them and that's why, asmi was talking about there of like And it works with the same with positivity and negativity, not letting anything overwhelm you, but just sitting
1: and saying, what actually is this and how actually can I deal with it? As you were kind of saying there, it's like making that list is so important and not only making the list of what you're dealing with and what the problems are, but making a separate list of, well, how do I answer all of these? How do I solve all of these problems? And if you just look at it as a whole, it's so overwhelming and so daunting that you're just like, you just freak out and you're like, "Ah, I can't do this once you do break it down and you say well if I can't do this why can't I do it well if I if I learned to do this then that wouldn't be a problem anymore and going through all of these issues it's just going to make you a stronger more confident more positive person
0: so this next clip uh, delves into, I guess, taking yourself out of your comfort zone.
3: If I went to you right now, right, I can go and put you in pain right now and you can get yourself out of it. Why would you choose to do that when you know you don't have to? And this is the problem. And as societies, you know, developing in all these different ways and social media and things are so available for us. And when you look back 50 years ago, 100 years ago, how they worked then and how they got to communicate then and how they had to work for it. Everything we've got right now is on demand and the reason people aren't developing these skills to be resilient and have grit and say, I haven't got it in me, I'm just this, I'm just that and I'm, you know, I can't do it's because they don't need to anymore.
1: I think one thing that really gets to me is when people say I can't do it and they haven't tried or they just don't have the confidence to go and do that. It's like you can do it, you can, you literally can go out there and do it. It's just putting yourself in that discomfort and as we say a lot, growth and comfort can't coexist and it's completely true like everything that's good everything that you everything that grows you as a person is done when it's hard if it was really easy everyone would be doing it but it's putting yourself out into those hard situations where good things happen like as Esme was saying now it's like if if I said to you I'm going to go put you in an uncomfortable situation you have to get out of it of course you're not going to want that but you need to think why is that happening like why are you in that situation what can you learn from that? So if I if I reframe the question as I'm going to put you in this uncomfortable situation, but you're going to struggle out of it, and you're going to learn something from that that's going to make it better for you going forward. That's the way you need to approach anything that seems hard. It's like I don't want to go and do this, but why? But what? How can I add a positive to this? What will come out of this that will benefit me? And I know you talk about a lot about looking at situations and it's like how is this the best thing that's ever happened to me?
0: Yeah, that's the technique that I use. How is this the best thing that's ever happened? Even if clearly it's not the best thing that's ever happened. Um, but it's just by looking at some, you can look at a situation in a new way and you can get things from it. You can get lessons from it rather than just just the kick in the nuts. We're in a situation in 2020 where even if even if we don't have it great, it's never been better. Like, like statistically it's never been better. Um, and so for a lot of people that just results in, I guess just a really average life in the fifties and sixties and seventies and forties and thirties and twenties. That was all we could ask for was like, that was the perfect life was being able to bring that money in to put that roof over your head and have a family. But now, because that's kind of taken care of most people, if they are earning a minimum wage, if you are living it, just hitting that regular nine to five, like maybe there is, maybe there is something more and but you're only going to find that if you reach out of your comfort zone um, because just because it's comfortable doesn't mean that it's great. Do you know what I mean? It's like you could be going into work every day and absolutely
1: miserable, but you're still surviving. So it's really assessing should you be in that situation, should you put get yourself out of that comfort zone? Because there might be better things out there. Like if you're not like if you're in a comfort zone and everything's great in your life, then great. Like but most people aren't in that situation. Yeah, and what we found is that the rewards
0: are so great when you've struggled and you've worked for something and I think that we talk about a lot in this episode with, with Esme but there's not an internal sense of fulfillment that you get from winning the lottery or being gifted something and although it sounds great oh if all of a sudden you're going to be given a huge sum of money or something that you don't have to work for it actually ends up being very empty and it doesn't actually fulfill it. The
4: power
3: of language, its internal language is so powerful, external and internal. And I've done exercises with people, at wellness speeches that I've done. So I've got the whole room to stand up from their chairs and I say, take a seat, but just before you get to your chair, hover above it. And then I say, sit down when you want. Like there's no catches, there's no twit, like literally there's no prizes. When you want, just sit down. And about 12 to 17 seconds in, the whole room sat down, 200 people sat down. Right? So I say, right, stand up again. You are can do the same thing. You're going to sit down and you're going to go do an inch above your chair. All right. And then you're going to listen to me. And what I need you to do is I need you to take something very important in your life, something very, very special to you. It can be a person or a thing. And I want you to put that on your back. You sit down, you drop them. You drop that thing. And if you don't like anyone enough, then you can choose a goal. That goal that you really want, that you wake up every day moaning that you don't have, that's available for you at the end of this squat hold. If you really want you sit down, it's gone. It's gone forever, and they and I make them go to a minute, and then I and then they stop at a minute. They could go on forever at this point, and that is all about language. It, or I say to them and I make them realise the only thing that changed was my language. I didn't change the exercise. I didn't make you all stronger suddenly. I didn't give yeah. you a protein drink that made yeah. you like Popeye. All I did was change my language. And if I can do that externally to you, think how capable you are internally.
0: So I love that that little exercise of as soon as people have got something more that they care about um, they're able to go much further on on the exercise and I mean it's just a it's just a silly little exercise of hovering above your seat but but it is so important the language that that we use and the goals that we hold in our head and the reason and I suppose it comes back to like start with why of of why you are doing what you're doing and that that will be enough to sustain you or be enough to sustain you sustain you through a squat hold but it'll also be enough to sustain you through doing your tax return or um doing paperwork or just just like the real gritty parts of your business that no one enjoys doing it's if you've got if you're doing it for some cash it's not going to sustain you whereas if you're doing it for a wider reason there's something you're trying to help the world in some way you're trying to change something that's what will actually sustain you so moving on then to another favorite episode um this was easy to agree on this one, wasn't it? Um This definitely, was definitely yeah. in, our, in our kind of top um, for, for last year. And that was Marie Forleo. And um, we actually tried to get Marie on the podcast when we were in New York, um, but couldn't make it work. But uh, managed to grab her when she was over um, in the UK, promoting her new book, Everything is outable And what an incredible episode.
1: Like, what an incredible episode and what an incredible book as well. Like, in researching that, like reading and listening through to her book, I was like, this, it's so good. I think by chapter four of listening to the audiobook, I bought a physical copy for my girlfriend. Cause I was like, it's just great. It summarizes a lot of really good things really, really well. Um, she's been doing this for absolutely years, like such a, an amazing person. We were so like fortunate to be able to sit down with her. Like she's just a fountain of wisdom. So
0: first clip.
5: So the three rules of everything is figureoutable are this. All problems or dreams are figureoutable. Rule number two, if a problem isn't figure outable, it's not a problem, it's a fact of life, like death, gravity, or laws of nature. And rule number three, you may not care enough to solve a particular problem or reach a particular dream, and that's totally okay. Find something you do care deeply about and go back to rule number
1: one. See that really, really nicely links on to the previous clip from Esme. It's just that, it's like finding that thing that you you want to hold on your back the thing that it's like finding your why it's that purpose of like if if you love something enough you will make it happen and because everything is figure outable.
0: yeah i suppose when we did the mini series that's why the first episode was about find your passion um because i think too many people they may be creative but they haven't found what what truly lights them on fire yet, and i think it's really important to find that thing because the more passionate you are about the thing that you find the more likely you are to make it a success because you will always keep it on your back even when things are when things are
1: heavy you're not going to drop it so yeah that's our thing isn't it it's like when whatever you do you know you're passionate about it when in the hard times you can keep going like when you first start doing anything And it's like Seth Godin calls it the dip. Like you've got this little kind of rush of like, this is exciting, brand new, all shiny, like great. And then you carry on for a certain amount of time and it gets hard because the honeymoon period is worn off. I suppose at that point also you're fighting over
0: your um, your human nature of we are programmed to find new things exciting.
1: So all of a sudden it's not new anymore and it is actually hard work. Yeah, and it's like... By having something that you really care about, by having that why, that purpose, the reason like the reason you're doing, the reason you get out of bed in the morning to go and do this thing. If you can find something you love that much and it's like you can figure like everything is figure out everything that having that thing that really drives you will help you through the hard times. That's why we always go and say to people, don't start for the money, because if you go into it only for the money, when there's no money, there's nothing else. Whereas if you go into it with the belief that you're going to change something, where you're going to make yourself better, you're, you've are you got a, a vision or something in mind, when there's nothing, no, when the phone's not ringing, you've still got that. And I think that's a really, really important thing to have, something to hold on to that no matter what it is, even if there's no money coming in, I'm still happy. I'm still doing the thing that I love. I think we've realised in the past year that this podcast
0: is going to make us outrageously wealthy. Um, and And that's incredible and and really really awesome but it's not what sustains us it's kind of like a nice side effect but it's the dms that we get from people on a regular basis that say that this show is actually making a difference like that like we have a a why a reason for doing this and when i look at my life i've i've always had that like i was teaching in a primary school because i wanted to to help those kids starting our first business we wanted to help a bunch of artists Um, which we kind of did and then this podcast is almost the scaling of that of like okay how can we help thousands of people and then in doing that as as just kind of a hobby in the beginning money has started to come in and we've started to realize okay well maybe creative rebels is actually a business so um that's that's been really interesting for us. But um, so with the with the three rules there of everything's figure outable. She says if a problem isn't figure outable, it's not a problem. It's a fact of life. And like that's that's because you know as soon as she says something, there's someone thinking like, oh, what can I think of that's not figure outable? Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, and it's like really ninety nine percent of things are figure outable. Um, you just I love how we're just
1: using that like as a proper word like yeah. all the time. It's figure outable. I feel like I say it all the time now as well. Like yeah. f- figure outable because. It it says so much, and I feel like it should be aware. And I feel like if enough people use it, then hopefully it will just get put in the dictionary one day. Yeah,
0: but yeah. So if there is something that you that you care strongly about, like you, know, you can work out how to how to figure it out. And then the third rule is if you don't care strongly enough, then pick something else. And I yeah. think that's so important. And it's working out the the actual thing that's driving you forward. Because if you're doing something and it doesn't isn't it doesn't feel right, then it's probably not gonna sustain you. Like, like trust your gut, listen to yourself, listen to what you're saying to yourself. If something doesn't feel right, it's probably not right.
1: Yeah, that goes a lot to when we talk about finding your passion and how you might try something for a while and then you realize oh, actually this isn't that thing for me. So you go and try something else. And then if that doesn't fire you up enough, try something else. Cause you will find that thing eventually. It will come, it just takes a lot of trying and doing lots of different things
5: realized first of all that so many creatives pull back from sales and marketing cuz they have an outdated understanding of what it is. They think it you have to be aggressive, that you have to be manipulative, that you have to be dishonest, that you have to convince people to do something that they don't want to do and somehow you're going to like take their money and if you make money they're going to somehow have less. There's like a lot of scarcity, there's a lot of zero sumness going on. And I also saw the more that I built my ability to communicate effectively that i understood copywriting that i understood digital marketing i watched my business grow but it wasn't just about the financial numbers for me i watched the impact i could make and i got addicted to that and i saw that the better i got at sales and marketing everything got better
0: i mean that, that just is exactly what we we're talking about with creative rebels impact is such a is such a good word and that's yeah. that's, that's what it is isn't it is having an impact impacting as many lives as possible and it's, uh, it's also okay to get paid to do that.
1: Yeah, and so many artists have this idea of I shouldn't get paid to do what I love because I love doing it, so why should I charge for it? But, and a lot of artists that we talk to who seem a bit stuck, like they are they don't really know what to do because they're creating great art, but they're not making any money from it, which is what they want to do. Like there's a lot of people who talk to us like, oh, when do I monetize? When do I start accepting money for this? And realizing that, if you want to do art as a business, if you want to make money from it, for it to be your living, you have to be able to sell and market it. Like, you just have to. And I suppose that goes back to
0: what Marie says at the start of that clip of, of people have this misunderstanding of what marketing actually
1: is. And she uses the words aggressive, manipulative, and dishonest. Yeah, because I think, well, I remember like before, when I was at uni, I didn't understand what the market, there was a marketing world and what marketing was. And I suppose my opinion of what sales would be, would be, my phone ringing and someone really annoying on the other end trying to sell me something that I don't want, and to to me and that, I imagine that's to a lot of people as well. They think of sales as this thing that's just like irritating. Yeah, it's like a sales call where just like you pick it up and you're like, oh, stop calling me! Like I've told you four times now that I don't want this thing that you're trying to sell me. Please stop wasting my time. But it's not about that. It's about finding a group of people who care about that thing. Like I think Gary V talks about it a lot how he says don't try and like don't try and change people's mind don't go to someone and be like here's a blue jumper you have to wear this blue jumper but they're like i hate blue no no no, you should wear it because you look great in it but i just i really don't like blue and it's like don't force someone to do something just let them know that your thing exists and what that how they can benefit from it yeah and then all the blue lovers will find it yeah because if you force it down someone's throat they're only going to be like oh and I guess if you know that they
0: love blue already, then, yeah. and then, then by you saying, I know you love blue, here's something blue. Like, are you, are you into that? And like, that's not aggressive and it's not manipulative. It's just, it's just true. Like I sell yeah. blue, you
1: like blue. We're a match made in heaven. I think the nice way to think about, about marketing and sales in general is just awareness. Just letting people know that it exists and it's for sale and they can have it if they want to. Don't, try and mold people to you just go to them and say like look yeah it's here if you want it
0: yeah and another thing that we that we talked about in this episode was when marie was saying if you're not doing that then you're stealing from people so her theory is that if you're a creative and you have something to offer the world and again let's use that word again like to make impact if there's something that you have that can do that and you're not sharing it with the people who would benefit from it, then you're stealing from them. You're not giving them something that, that, they, that could enrich their lives. So the, the way that you're going to do that is you're going to communicate through your sales and your marketing that it exists.
1: Yeah, It doesn't have to be salesy in the kind of traditional sense. It's just letting people know that it's here in a way that they can understand.
0: Yeah, another thing that, that Marie brought up, like that's why I love that clip because there's there's so much packed into it. Another thing she mentioned was um, scarcity. And that's something that I really want to get across to people is that just because you're getting paid, there isn't like, well, I suppose there is a finite amount of money in the world, but yeah. but like just by you making profit doesn't mean that other people are going to have less. And the person that you're charging for your product or service if you're enriching their lives, then that's a, that's a fair value exchange. Um, I was speaking to someone recently who's got uh, a really interesting business and I was, I was kind of looking at her website and stuff and on her website, she'd kind of apologised for where her prices had gone up. And she was like, oh, but it's still great value, blah, blah, blah. I was like, get rid of that, change it right now. I was like, do you believe that? It? So to break it down, the business is um, is ponies and um, people come and ride the ponies and they learn about how to take care of them and do horse whispering with them and all this stuff. I was like, when people come and visit the ponies, do they have an enjoyable experience? And she was like, well, yeah, they absolutely love it. Like they take a million photos. Um, sometimes the ponies are dressed like unicorns. And like, <laughs> and literally, it's just like, like joyful. Everyone's having an amazing time. I was like, you are offering an incredible experience. You do not have to apologize for charging for that. And especially when you look at her why, it's to increase awareness of these beautiful animals. And it's to, she, she rehabilitates ponies and she's caring for them and like doing a great thing. That's her why is like to care for as many ponies as possible. So I was like, you're not taking their money so that you can drive a Maserati. You're taking their money so that you can care for more ponies. So everything here is fine. You don't need to apologise for it. Um, But it's just that that funny feeling when money comes in that that creative sort of
1: get that that kind of guilt um, that's around money. Yeah, definitely. If you've got a purpose or a cause you're trying to go towards, by charging for it and getting the money it's only going to be help it's only going to allow you to do more of that which is the reason you're doing it to start with so the more you can charge the more money you can get is great because that's the more you can help something else it's like it's brilliant
0: yeah and just to shout that business out it's um, at the pony ranch on instagram
1: if you want to see
0: those ponies which i'm sure you do everyone's <laughs> put the podcast down now to get the ponies
5: I think that patience is one of the most underrated qualities for creatives and entrepreneurs. Again, I feel like I'm just starting and I'm 20 years into my career.
0: Yeah, we always say the people who keep going are the ones that will win because most people quit. Yes, yeah. because it's hard. Yes, it's really hard.
5: It's really hard, and you know, success comes from what you do consistently, not what you do occasionally. And I think consistency, along with patience, is probably one of the other "quote unquote" secrets to success. Like I've been creating content consistently for twenty years.
1: Yeah, super, super interesting. Like it's just the way it is, isn't it? It's like if you consistently do something for a really long period of time, good things will happen.
0: Yeah, I I might get it tattooed on me. Um, consistency plus patience equals success. So to, to distill that quote down, that is my new mantra for 2020 for the rest of my life is consistency plus patience equals success. And if everyone can remember that, consistency plus patience equals success, I'm saying it multiple times so it gets stuck in your head, the consistency <laughs> plus patience equals success. Because like, like that's there's nothing else. There is nothing else.
1: That's all you need. And that comes to like growing a brand as well. It's like you get known for this thing. It's like and you only get known for it if you're constantly doing it and you're constantly in people's heads. So it's like you always want to be that person that no matter what you're selling, whatever you're doing, whatever your thing is, you want it to be when anyone thinks of that, they think of you. And the only way you do that is by consistently putting content out, consistently doing your thing for a really, really long time. And then one thing I always like to add to that, because I think that is a great thing, but I think it should always be there should be an extra little plus in there which is to be able to learn and develop as you go along because if you consistently do something bad forever and you don't ever learn from your mistakes or learn from anything then you won't get better so i think there needs to be a level of like learning and development within that too so trying to turn my simple maths into an equation i always i always do but um i think that's i think it's a really important thing that You should consistently do stuff, but consistently learn as well. And I think that comes into the consistency and just get a little bit better every time and make sure you are constantly pushing yourself. Because if you're in your comfort zone and you're consistently doing it and you're being patient, but you're still in your comfort zone, you're not growing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, so for us now, like we want to be known for creativity. We want to be known for like creative solutions for advertising for marketing um when we were like in our business when we're working with big brands and stuff like that and if we had been making the same work that we made we started making 10 years ago if we were still making that now we wouldn't be known for creative solutions because we'd just be doing murals we'd just be doing
1: hand-painted murals everything would be the same yeah this is and everything needs to evolve everything needs to grow and get better and better over time otherwise people will overtake you and you'll get left behind so it's always you need to be at the forefront of whatever you're doing if you can do and you only get to that stage by learning and developing your craft
0: so we only got to showcase uh four episodes uh in this our, our best of episode and we, which i feel is like so underrepresentative. for yeah well, i feel like we
1: could have gone on this could be a four hour long show if we yeah. wanted it to be but yeah um, don't like you. Actually- even and i think this might be one of our longest ever episodes and that just shows i think the great guests we've had on this year and the amazing things they've said and just how inspiring they've been yeah it was really really hard to just nail it down to just four
0: um but our our final guest is um poppy chancellor who was um i think cuz she's sort of a friend of ours it, the interview just went in places that we didn't expect it to go we both knew that like poppy had kind of been struggling earlier in that in the year um but she hadn't really opened up about it and we weren't sure whether she was going to talk about it and and she kind of really did on the podcast about everything like losing her dad and and how for a long time she'd been just powering through it and hiding the grief with work and then all of a sudden just had this crash and um I had I had sent Poppy a message saying oh let's let's get you on the podcast cuz it's something that we'd discussed in the past and she was fully up for it at the time and then I was like, "Oh, let's get you, let's get you booked in." And she was just like, "I can't do it." She was like, "I can't." That, there's nothing I can say. And and I was just like, "Wow," because you know Poppy, like yeah. she's super upbeat, and it was just
1: so positive, so happy, like this fun, energetic person that you just want to be around.
0: And yet, yeah, to to see your 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 friend in this in this like really low place was um, was really sad. And we offered out our sort of words of advice and just kind of bigging her up and say, telling her that she's amazing. But um, but when
1: she finally was ready to do the podcast, it was just it was such a great episode. We both loved it. And I think after the episode as well, it was really nice to kind of see how what a dedicated audience she has. Like people love her. She's such a wonderful person. Her artwork is amazing. I think she constantly inspires people to kind of better themselves, to be creative, which I think is so aligned in what we we try and portray.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you say there actually about yeah, noticing how engaged her audience are. So the reason that we know that is because her episode is is one of our most listened to episodes, and her following on social media is a, is a lot lower than some previous guests we've had, but still her views are, and that's just because all of her fans are engaged with what she does, and that's like we hope that that I've kind of feel like we've got fans that are like that as well, yeah. but but that's the kind that's kind of the holy grail. If you are building something, you want fans that that are not just like occasionally here or there but like they're really interested in what you die hard I think one of the interesting things for me in this episode was that um Poppy's first client was her mum and her mum said like Poppy owed her mum 500 quid Mm. and her mum was like oh well I'll give you 50 quid off your debt if um for, for every kind of paper cut you make me and so um and like they were commissions for friends and for people so by doing that all of a sudden she had she had to sit down and create 10 pieces of work and i just love that kind of being forced into straight out the bat of like being forced to like to make the work and i think it's it's very important like if you are starting something new rather than just sitting there and waiting for your first order like put yourself in a situation where you have to create something first yeah her
1: mum built her portfolio for her by forcing her to do that and it's such an it's so great it's like everyone out there if you're starting anything you just gotta force yourself through that situation at the start of building a portfolio and no matter if that's like working for free getting doing stuff for a friend doing stuff for your parents like someone that you know will be able to give you a job doing something or even if they don't you can just do it yourself and it's by getting that portfolio that you can then go to other people and say like look this is the array of stuff that i do do you want me to do it for you so yeah it's like you just need to have that body of work to start with so people can trust that you can go and do this for them.
0: Yeah, it's so important. Um, so this first clip here is, um, is basically around kind of using creativity to deal with grief.
1: What would you say to someone who's in that situation at the moment where you were six months ago?
4: I would say to be creative in, in whatever way comes naturally for you. So some people like journaling, Loads of people have been writing poems at our grief case meetings, whether they're poets or not, it's kind of just stream of thought. And, you know, they can be angry, they can be sad, they can be like, please don't leave me. (laughs) What have you got? And at least that thought has then been realised and released in some way. I do a lot of writing as well as my paper cut work and I think just like... Being active, like I I found some amazing books about grief. Um, There's a book called Grief Works by Julia Samuel that has totally just opened my eyes to the actual process of it and the reactions that you get from other people being like, oh yeah, people are scared to talk about it. Okay, so what do I say to somebody, you know, and actually dealing with it, you know, find podcasts. I think just tap into a world where you don't feel so alone, but so many people don't know that 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 exists. So like you said, the grief cast with Carrie Lloyd is like an amazing place to just hear people's stories and realise that it's not just you that's in pain. Everyone has their own grief that they're dealing with, whether it's a loved one, a friend, a pet, whatever, you know, and everyone is carrying pain somewhere. And it's just about... I think you become a lot more sympathetic when you've had a lot of pain because you realise, God, that person that, you know, is really dealing with something and they're doing really well. So, yeah, just like seeking out information and um, sharing yourself with people that you trust. Yeah.
0: So Poppy runs uh, grief case meetings where people who've lost, people who are in the dead dad club and the dead mum club and or who, are, like, they've lost someone that they care about can go along to these... Uh, these grief case meetings and everyone sort of talks and shares and it's a a, a wonderful way of of kind of share i guess sharing that burden and uh, one thing poppy mentioned there is just by by journaling like i guess letting the thoughts out like releasing yeah, them out yeah. from
1: just cluttering around in your brain you can get yourself into a really negative place if you just keep it all inside because it does tend to spiral and go out of control when if as soon as you get it out of you of that's talking to someone writing it down it just makes things so much better. Like whenever I've had a bit of kind of like stress or, or a bit of a meltdown, by just talking to other people, it makes things so much better. And I think what's what I really took from that uh, that Poppy said there was just the fact that there are other people out there going through the same thing that you are, no matter what it is, whether it's grief or... Eating disorder or depression yeah. or, yeah. Or even just like having a problem with like your business or oh you're an artist and you can't quite get this technique right. Someone else somewhere is going through the exact same problem. So it's so important that if you do feel alone in that, to find other people around you who can support you because they're out there and they're looking for people too, but they're just waiting for someone else to make the first move. So it's really great to be able to get a group of people together. Like Poppy's created a group that everyone's going through the same thing, everyone can support each other, and everyone's so much happier and better off for that. So no matter what you're going through, no matter what your problems are, Try and form a group or find some other people who are going through the same thing so you can support each other definitely yeah She
0: she says there that everyone is carrying their own grief and it, that's that's so important to remember even if you're in the lucky position that you haven't lost anyone yet that there, there is something that that you, all people are carrying with them that's just the the kind of trappings of of being a human isn't it it's important to to recognize that and to uh, there's that thing they say of, of like you you never know someone else's struggles and so that that person who's like shouting at you when in in their car and they cut you up and all of that sort of stuff is like, you don't know what that person is dealing with. Um, obviously, you want to try and meet everyone with with empathy and that's that's not easy when they're being a dick to you but um but yeah i guess it's just understanding why that person might be being a dick um a lot to think about there and and that kind of leads on quite nicely to um to this clip where poppy talks about creating an image that was speaking about her pain
4: i did an artwork saying this too shall pass just with somebody crying and these like blue waves coming out of their eyes and you know people were tagging each other and i was like god you know people looking out for each other you know, through my artwork. So, you know, I think that fragility can also balance the kind of physical strength and pride that you have in yourself.
0: Me, man, you're really growing, aren't you? I am. It's
4: different, isn't it? It's like, I do think if you are open to your pain, there is a depth that you see yourself in a slightly different way. And it doesn't Mm. have to be all bells and whistles and like I'm a hot babe or whatever. It can also be I'm a human and I'm struggling and that's a yeah. kind of beautiful thing too.
1: I think in a world where Instagram is just what people want people to see, this kind of yes. perfect version of stuff, it's yeah. nice there to just be some honesty. and I feel yeah. like that's what sounds like it comes across so well. Yeah. Just the fact that you're being honest with people whereas most people yeah. online aren't that.
4: And I think that's what I struggled with in the in those months that I was really in a dark place. I kept being like, I noticed that I was making notes in my diary saying, make an image for Instagram because obviously when you're an artist on Instagram, it's good to post regularly. And then I was like looking at it and I was like, make an image for Instagram. Is that is the most disgusting sentence I've ever make an image for you. Do you know what I mean? Make an image for you. And it took me a while because I thought, oh, I haven't done a post this week. What do the people want to see? And uh, I think once you let all that go and you're like, what do I need in my life right now? It will probably be what somebody else needs to. So letting that self-conscious thing go. And I think that comes with confidence and looking into yourself a bit more and actually not worrying like if this post gets 200 likes
2: that's fine
0: i suppose it comes down to um we we mentioned in the in the mini series the venn diagram that toby shinobi made of creating work that you like to make but that also other people like and then the intersection is is that that's the artwork that you like that you would that you can survive from Mm. then i think there's nothing wrong then with also experimenting so Poppy saying make, make an image not just for Instagram, so make something for you. In sharing the work that she has made, that's that's no longer about like uh, female positivity that I, most of her work was centered at around. All of a sudden, she took a, a risk. She took a different approach and started posting things about grief. They've done really, really, really well. So I think there's there's room for that kind of experimentation. And I suppose what she's referencing there is just getting caught in that trap of of becoming like a factory where you're not creating anything with soul anymore because you're just creating it for Instagram, for the guaranteed set number of likes that you know you will get by creating a, a piece of work in a specific way, which then I, ge- I guess again brings us back to comfort zone, which
1: we have touched on several times in this episode. I think that Venn diagram that Toby and Shinobi talked about is, is a really perfect way to think about it, where you've got, yeah, the things that you like doing the things that will make you money and you try and hit that cross section in the middle. But what I would say is you, yes, you can still come back into just doing things that you like and you can't make any money from. I think where things go wrong and what Poppy was talking about there is when things fall into that third section of you're just doing it for the money, you're not doing it for the love anymore and you've lost that. So always try and stay in the two, the center bit, which is where you make money and you love it. That will be your comfort zone, hopefully because that will sustain you but you have to come out of that every now and again to grow to be able to go back in because otherwise that center bit is just getting smaller and smaller and smaller whilst you're sat in it.
0: yeah so this last clip is uh, probably talking about making creative connections
4: you know just being interested in the creative makeup of the city that you're in and you know, meeting new people, contacting, hey, I love your stuff, we should do something together. Or like your work is incredible, even though they've got 200 followers or something, your work is amazing. It's really inspiring to me. Can I buy some of your stuff? You know, going to the Brighton Illustration Fair, meeting all the young illustrators there, because these people are going to be big. Like they're talented, they're cool. Like show some love and learn something from people that are making new work that's totally different to yours
1: and you can learn something from anyone
0: yeah i think the the amazing thing there is we met poppy first through reaching out to do a collaboration with her literally exactly that yeah Yeah, so one of our members of staff kaylee an amazing project manager she was she was a fan of poppy and wanted to wanted to just do a paint a mural with her so got in touch um, and we ended up painting a a peace with poppy and that's how we first like first got connected and became friends so yeah poppy is someone who is actively kind of fostering those those kind of relationships but i think we hear all the time from um freelancers who are who are lonely and i know a lot of you guys listen to us when you're when you're working and and we've started calling it like creative companion i think it was a listener who came up with that wasn't it like you're my creative companion so um we know that we're kind of like there for a lot of you as as you're making work but Like go out there and and meet people. And and what Poppy was saying was so important about not worrying where they are on the ladder. Um, If you feel someone's work, like even if they've only got 200 followers, oh no, network with them, connect
1: with them. And because like, yeah, you can learn from absolutely everyone. Really, really good icebreaker is just going to someone and be like, let's collaborate. I like your work. Do you like my work? If yes, let's let's network. Like it's, it's such an easy in to get to know someone else. Because then it's like a, you're together on it for a certain period of time. You can create something together. And then if you get on, you might become friends for life. It's like now Poppy, I feel like, will be one of our friends for life. Just through a collaboration, we reached out to her and said, shall we do something together? And she said yes, which is amazing.
0: So those are four of our favorite episodes. Um, hopefully you guys enjoyed that, that trip down memory lane. And maybe we've highlighted some kind of new bits that you hadn't noticed in those episodes or they're episodes you hadn't listened to yet. So um, hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, Next week is the launch of our season two. So that's going to be
1: absolutely huge. We're launching three episodes on one day. This is kind of when we want to ask for a bit of a favour, I suppose. When we launch next week, if if you've got any value from the show over the past year, please share it and kind of help other people find out about the show and find out about what they can learn here. And you can do that by posting on Friday the 17th, just letting everyone you know know that season two is starting and how much you've got from it in the past year and how much they could get from it in the next year.
0: So I would like to... Make some honourable mentions that yes, um, definitely. because they're like because obviously four episodes is not very many and we could have spoken about so many more so um, I think one for me was um, it's a creative thinking episode with Alex Manzi um, and I listened to the full episode the other day it's 80 minutes long and. There's so much in there. We go into so much depth um, about like answering lots of different questions that have been sent in. So um, that's a notable one for me. And there's uh, there's sort of a lot of little nuggets about our story in there that we haven't talked about on other episodes.
1: I think one episode that really hit me, like and literally hit me hard, uh, was our episode with Will Store, where I came out of the interview and I had to say to David like, I need to go home now. Like I'm so mentally like mind blown from. Everything that he talks about, he talks a lot about like neuroscience, which I'm really interested in. Uh, Yeah, I mean,
0: I I, so I nearly put him in um, the best of, but I I feel like his episode is rather than like taking an individual quote and chatting about it. I feel like his episode is like you've got to listen to the whole thing because out of context, just a little bit here and there, it doesn't really work.
1: It's definitely an episode if you haven't listened to yet or you've listened to a long time ago to go back and listen to. And also Seth Godin's book, This Is Marketing, and that Will episode, to me, just like the two matched so perfectly. And it was that moment when I connected the two dots together from the two main points of those that my mind was just like, Boof. Like,
0: yeah because because seth's book is all about marketing and how you should position your product or service for the people that are going to be interested in that to find it and to rave about it and to to build up a tribe to understand the the mission that you're on but then will is kind of like why those
1: people do that like what's going on yeah. in their head to make them behave that way like the science behind it which was just like amazing and i felt like they two, those two should definitely network at some point because like it was amazing Uh, another favorite for me was adam j kurtz
0: um i don't i don't want to just list everyone we've had on the show (laughs) because they're all amazing but i think adam is such an interesting person to follow on social media just because he's so good at distilling down the problems that creative people face and, and and poking fun at it and taking the piss out of it he's really great at that um but he's also like relentless like if you Um, are doing something unethical or something wrong and you're exploiting artists then he will call that shit out and I I love it he's
1: he's just brilliant for doing it and then I think like the final one for me that was like a massive standout was when we went to New York and interviewed Brandon Wifel he was someone who I'd followed photography wise for years and years and years he's got over 3 million followers now which is just insane and it really made me realise that we can get anyone Like no one is completely unattainable with the internet today. If you've got something that you can get someone else to believe in, you can connect with them and you can have that conversation and have that relationship. Just sent him a cold email said like, this is who we are, what we're doing, why we are doing it? And we're going to be in New York. We'd love to interview you. And then getting a response back, I was just like, this is amazing. And then we actually did the interview and it was great to meet him. Really inspiring guy. I love when you get those emails back as
0: well and, and they're like, oh, I've never done a podcast before, but I wanted to do yours. I really like
1: that. Yeah, and we had a couple of those this year where people were just like, I just love your name. It sounded really good. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah it's, a, it's a really nice feeling when you do get those responses back because you send out so many emails and it's like all it takes is that one back to make it completely worthwhile.
0: I suppose I'll, I'll end on my old mate, Paul Elliott, um it's a very very early episode so if you're a new listener uh, you have to go deep into the archives for this one but um we interviewed paul elliott who i i've known for 20 years i started painting graffiti with him um in 99 and i've run down various railway lines with him i've hugged him in various bushes while we were hiding from the cops and uh i've yeah just had many many bizarre experiences with that guy and uh I loved that episode. Like he, he's so on it now. Making music and is also like a documentary maker and has made this incredibly successful documentary about library music. And so that was another really fun one for me. So that's uh, that's definitely on my honourable mentions list. So we hope you've enjoyed this episode. Our, our best of season one, season two starts next week because we ain't gonna have a bloody break because you know us by sure now. Of course not. You know us by now. So um, season two. 17th of January 2020 be there tell your friends we love you yeah